Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk sheet. Recorded live.
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but you won't get a yeah. guy's name. You won't say what's going on with the parade. Like, if some people feel that frustrated, then let them go. Like, you know yeah, I, mean? I, I read that article. It was a good article, to be honest with you. And you know, I, I think you let the guy make his case. You know, convince me. That's the one question. Why are we doing this? It's hilarious to me. It is kind of funny. And I definitely like it a lot more now that Rizzo hates it. <laughs> well, he hates it, and Levitard jumped on it. You know what I mean? So the guys get oh. up, so it should be real good for our site. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. whole thing. So. I mean, it's mutually <laughs> beneficial, the whole situation. Right. <laughs> so that's the way. You know what I mean? Because I actually like the guy a lot. I think he's a funny fellow on Twitter. Yeah. I think he's one of the funniest. Yeah, absolutely. He's great. So, I mean... Like if they're if they're running around with like you know um, they're going to hang Jimmy Haslam in effigy or something like that'd be a different story. But I mean, if people want to get around and be together as Browns fans, man, what right? What's wrong with that? Yeah, without having a, without knowing that uh, the Browns aren't going to let you down. Yeah. Yeah, I swear to fuck God, if this guy's not ready to go, I'm gonna be pissed off. Me too. I, I just walked in the door from doing public address for a fucking high school game. Oh, shit. All right, hold on. Let me kind of call this guy. Oh, you got to hit it, Jake. Still got to hit it, Jake. Arizona. I'm sorry I missed your call. Please leave a message. Really? All right. Well, Jake, you there? I'm here. All right. Yeah, I said, I really? I <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what else to do. If he calls, and I sent him the information to call in, so he might just jump on here at some point. But um, I say we get started and just yeah, uh, right. edit around it. Yeah, I mean, um, This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Show 113, the college football bowl preview show. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. 2016 college football playoffs. I'm Jake from the, from Youngstown to Seabus. We're talking bowls. Well, it's that time of year, ladies and gentlemen. We're excited to uh, be talking about going bowling. Uh a lot of college football here um, kind of got, you know, um, some of these bowls, the luster's been taken out of them, Jake, with the um, controversy, players not playing, some players who shouldn't be playing um, that are playing. Uh, just a lot going on there uh, around college football. We're going to get into some of those topics uh, at the beginning of this podcast. You're going to get the predictions from us through the rest of the slate of the college football bowl games left. Um, and we're also going to uh, – Oh, we're also going, of course, give our picks, you know, for the big college football playoff and who we think wins it all. Um, Jake, of course, we got the um, pressing matters that happened coming out of Norman, Oklahoma. Um, 
that I think we'll lead off with. The Joe Mixon video, very disturbing. Um, we know how we feel here about any violence towards women. Um, you know, the the situation is one where it's the failure on a institutional level because, you know, he was criminally charged. That whole process played itself out. But it seems that Oklahoma um, tried to bury this video and now – a separate interview video coming out why he chose to do so. It wasn't a domestic violence situation per se of a boyfriend girlfriend. It was more of a, a situation that got out of control um, at a at a late night uh, restaurant. So you you have that you know situation where college kids have been drinking, but never excusable for a football player to use that kind of force. Um, he tried to justify it in the interview video and whatnot. But I think the real thing that is getting lost in all this, Joe Mixon has been vilified, but Oklahoma, you know, from the president, David Bourne, all the way to Bob Stoops, um, are the real people where you wonder he got suspended for a year and you wonder that punishment, does that fit the issue and that was that enough to do that? And does that back up when we talk about, you know, safety, especially for women on these college campuses? Yeah, I don't I don't think the one-year sends a strong enough message. Um, you know, I can only imagine if, I feel like if this were to happen to Alabama or Ohio State or one of the, you know, Oklahoma's has, I mean, they've been good, but uh, one of the higher profile college football programs, uh, not that Oklahoma's not, but uh, I think it would have been a bigger, bigger deal, but no, any more than it already is. It's just anytime you have that type of uh, situation, it's a bad look for everybody and it's time for the, the, the other person to have a, a new start somewhere else. It reminded me of that uh, a couple of years back, there was an incident at a bar. I can't remember exactly who was in it, but uh, same thing. You just uh, got pushed by a woman and then cool cocked him, cool cocked her, and uh, that was it. So, not good. No, it's not It's not a good look for the university. I mean, um, but my thing is they still are, we're still, there's some more things coming out as the media comes for their bowl game. Um Excuse me, what game they're playing in? I know it's after. Come on, come on, come on. They issued a, a, a very small statement, of course, but Oklahoma, you know, all of the people involved, they're going to have to talk more as the media will be waiting to get their um, answers for the questions as they play in the Sugar Bowl. So, you know, when they're doing the press down there in New Orleans, there's going to have to, we're going to have to get more than just a statement, you know, the old PR statement from the university on this one. Bob Stoops, you know, uh, David Bourne, Otto, the athletic director, is going to have to speak to that. And, um, you know, I, I think what the one thing is, we've become desensitized to some of the consequences that are handed out for these situations. And, you know, I hate to point to it, but considering what happened, you know, at Penn State, and the consequences thereafter and the way that that narrative was changed around, I think that now, you know, this has become part of the new norm, which is unfortunate, and, you know, the college football And Baylor. And Baylor. Yeah, and Baylor. You know, I mean, we we saw it uh, pretty much being approved of, of to a certain extent. You know, if you're a football player, you can get away with whatever you get away with and we'll protect you and, uh, and, you know, take the sword for you. It's just, it's 
becoming a big, big issue at a lot of these universities. And this is the biggest one yet where it's been uh, uh, domestic violence or uh, sexual assault or uh, uh, pedophilia. So, I mean, this stuff just has to stop and people have to stop covering it up. That's the that's the issue. It's not uh, the actions. The actions go on, and it's the people that cover it up and let it happen that are the real, real uh, problem right now. Yeah, and I think it's, it's another just great example of really that term that you used to see in these NCAA filings of failure uh, of um, in, uh, failure of institutional control. I believe that's the term. I might have that messed up there, um, but. That this is the definition of it. If there is there is any one to me of that, you know, um, statement. So um, we look at the other situation going around college football, um, and this one is even a, a uh, it, it's a separate situation, not as grave, but also very disheartening when you think about the integrity of just the football games. The former Wake Forest broadcaster Alden um, shared, you know, vital information, plays, and whatnot with opposing teams and now you know those teams won't even speak to it army's doing a per, uh, in, in army the army football team is doing an individual investigation internal investigation um virginia tech as well but the louisville athletic director's quote was we have a bowl game to play just you know it, it smacks in the face of any integrity that the another university they have there considering who's their football coach and what he's been through and the situation that's been in front of them. Yeah, is it, is it any surprise that Bobby Petrino is uh, involved in a situation like this? Uh, it was like perfect for him. And but I mean, it's got to go deeper than Louisville and uh, Bobby Petrino. Um, I think that the the devil's in the details coming out. Still, we've got uh, Army, or like you said, looking into it. And I think you're going to see more and more teams look into it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's the worst thing. I mean, if you're a, if you're an assistant coach trying to win games and you get something that's just kind of left behind, where's the line of uh, ethics versus you know we we call it all the time battle and we're going to we're going to battle with these guys. Well, if it was like war, it's like you know you get the other guy's plans. You're not going to say, oh, you know what, I can't use these. So I mean, it, it, I wonder, especially with army involved. So you know. It, 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 it's traitorous, that's for sure. It's despicable by the Wake Forest guy, and he'll probably pay for it by never having the opportunity to coach or uh, do broadcasting again, especially at least at that level. But uh, it, it raises a lot of interesting questions. Well, one of the questions, just real quick, to me is, you know, if if the guy comes to you with it and you're playing Wake Forest, I don't know. Like I'm sorry, but like you were talking, you had mentioned uh, Wake Forest is not a juggernaut to me. Where it's like we need every opportunity we can to beat Wake Forest. Now, if it's you know, if the shoe was reversed and Louis, a Louisville guy was giving Wake Forest something, I would say, hey, maybe Wake Forest needs to help. But you know. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. That's that's the situation where maybe I look at it at that level. I think once again, this is an individual. This is a, a a failing of an individual. This guy shows no, you know, moral turpitude. Um, if you're that mad that you got fired, I think they had some justification in their firing of you because you can't be trusted. So you know what I mean. If you're going to react like this, so. Um, you know, it's a crazy situation, and like you said, there's more details to come out, and we'll be talking about it here on What's No Eye Bias. 
Well, what well, do you really expect? The other thing is about his firing. You know, you got a brand new coach coming in from Bowling Green. You know, in most cases, they're going to bring their assistant staff with you. It can't be that much of a shocker. And for the head coach to trust you that much to allow you in team meetings and all the other stuff that broadcasters get to see and know and do uh, before games, you know, to have that much trust in you to do that and then you still go stab him in the back, I thought it was, you know, an olive branch to the guy in the first place to let him stay with the team as far as being a broadcaster. So, I mean, this guy is, a one grade scumbag. <laughs> well, there it is. Um, one other thing, you talk about uh, a team who wasn't going to play because of uh, multiple players involved in a sexual assault. An 80-page report that came out detailing the assault, um, and this is the Minnesota Golden Gophers football team. After their coach, Trey Clays, came to them, and said that he would probably be fired because they have a new athletic director there who basically has been looking for a reason to fire him. Um, the players ended the boycott, and they will play in the Holiday Bowl. Um, I think these players maybe are a little deaf to, just like we were talking about with the other situation um, with Joe Mixon and the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, these guys, they're trying to rally around their teammates, but – when you have something like this, you got to kind of wait, take a wait-and-see approach. I mean, you can quietly have somebody's back, but I think this was too much of a public display by the Minnesota Golden Gopher, by the Minnesota football team. Yeah, um, and, you know, there's, I guess, a flip side to a coin, and you want to let things kind of play out in the court system when it's brought to the court system um, without cover-up. So, it's a different situation than what's going on uh, at other places. And, you know, for them to actually come out, though, and really, really uh, be vocal to the point where they were going to boycott the game, it just, you know, I don't know what happened that night, but it's not worth that look, And like you said. And uh, they need to know better and be, I don't know, quite frankly, instructed better, it sounds like. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, then we talk about, so they're actually playing a game, but let's talk about the players that won't be playing a game. Um, Leonard Fournette, which uh, Leonard Fournette, the dynamic running back for the LSU Tigers, and Christian McCaffrey now joined him, the dynamic running back for the Stanford Cardinal. Both are choosing not to play. Everybody's been talking about it. I, I I am of the opinion, just real quick, I'm of the opinion that you definitely have your personal future involved and you can choose to do what you want. But it's a real bad look for these two teams, for these two guys whose teams, if they would have been playing maybe in the Rose Bowl for the Cardinal and LSU, if they had been playing in maybe a bigger bowl or a bowl, if the Sugar Bowl counted for in the college football playoff, you wonder where they would have been if they needed to uh, prepare for the NFL draft at that juncture. Yeah, you know, I mean, on one hand, you can't blame them for wanting to protect what is basically millions of dollars, uh, especially when you're talking about a running back who has a short shelf life anyway. You're asking him to go out there and take, you know, 24, 25 more carries uh, in a ball game that really the outcome doesn't mean anything other than getting your watch or whatever else comes in a gift bag. So I understand it on that side. But what the NCAA has done with the, just the four-team playoff has completely 
delegitimize the bowl system. I mean, we're talking about bowls now where you see 5,000 people in the stands in the Bahamas, and it's just a reason to go on a vacation. It's like, I just feel like we're so, we, we need a bigger playoff at this point, and we just need to scrap this bowl system and find a way to bring the bowls that matter, you know, like the Sugar Bowl, um, you know, and like the Rose Bowl. Even this year, you've got the Rose Bowl with McCaffrey sitting out. So we need to find a way to get those to be more relevant again. Well, when you talk about being more relevant again, it's got to be a situation where either the playoff is expanded, as we will probably talk about in the summertime, or in the, be around the spring game time for a college football season. Or um, I had a thought, and this is a wild scenario, but um, a wild, a wild possible pitch is where there has to be some greater prize for these teams to win these ball games. Would they get to host a possible game to be scheduled that next year against a certain opponent or something? There has to be something, you know, that gives an incentive to want to win the bowl game besides money that the players won't see um, right. that goes to the university. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I don't have the answer for it. I just know that we need to make them relevant again because right now in the situation they're at, A, we're playing games on January 2nd. I know that – I mean, that, that's absolutely ridiculous that they're acquiescing here to the NFL. Uh, and, and now I can't sit around my PJs all day and watch the Rose Bowl. Uh, it's just like, I don't know, man. We, we got, I mean, to be that irrelevant that you can't uh, go up against the football is, I, I think, another bad look that you're moving to January 2nd when a lot of people saw go have to go back to work. Um, I don't know how to fix it, but it needs to be fixed, that's for sure. And we need to get rid of some of these stupid Bahama Bowl and uh, whatever uh, pet food bowl we have. Well, we're excited to talk about these bowls coming up, though. Uh, no, I'm just yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so, got to play the games. We'll give you our opinion anyway. Uh, something just as exciting is the end for the Youngstown State Penguins. They yeah, went marching again to finish wins. a game. Um, great catch to finish that game. Uh, I mean, oh, he caught it on yeah. the back. I mean, shout out to Bo Pelini and the Fighting Penguins up there. Yeah, absolutely. What a clutch play. To, at the last uh, last play of the game, uh, the the type of catch where you pin it up against the defensive player's back, uh, falling out of the end zone, the rest threw the hands up, and uh, party on for Youngstown State. They go to the final this week against James Madison. Yeah, maybe we have some type of um, – because, I mean, you see how fun the FBS uh, tournament is. Maybe we have some type of um, tournament situation. Yeah, like I mean, maybe we have some type of tournament situation for college football. Uh, because And here's first, the other thing that sucks. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say first round at the home fields, and after that we go to the Bulls. And you yeah, kind of kind of follow the NIT structure. Bulls. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, But I was going to say, you know, the other thing that sucks, and we'll get into this when we get into the individual games here, um, you got so many coaches leaving, uh, that kind of turnover, um, players not playing now, um, because I think that's a trend we're going to see as we uh, move forward in the future. So, I mean, I know they're going to get the college football playoff off of New Year's Eve, but even with that, they're going to need to do more. Yeah, I'm totally flipping on my former position. I, I just didn't want to make the regular season 
uh, less special, let mean less, all that sort of stuff. I, I don't like the way it is with basketball and having all those teams. But uh, I think it's just time to to suck it up, go to 16 games, and let the chips where it fall where they may for some of these rivalries. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after this break picking all the bowl games that are left. So this is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. I see. I thought I got a message. Hold on here. You want to try them again for the bull picks? Yeah, I'll try it one more time. Petrus and Jake, how you doing, buddy? Oh, there. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing all right. Hey, John. How you guys doing? Doing all right, man. Good time? Good. Hello? Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah, we can hear you. Is it a good time, man, for the podcast? Yes. Well, we we were going to do it at 8, right? Yeah. Hello? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to rock. Did you guys call me a little earlier? Yeah, we called you. Well, it's oh. eight your time, ten our time. So, right, yeah, yeah. I um, I didn't know what the number was, and I, I uh, I knew it was a two one six, but I totally dropped the ball. I was thinking that it was somebody random calling me. Figured, oh, they'll leave me a voicemail, whatever. And um, I totally just put two and two together that it was you guys. I apologize. No problem. No problem. So yeah, let's do it. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, we're happy to be joined by West Coast aficionado John Costas. If you thought you loved college football, uh, you don't as much as he does because he knows every team everywhere, um, even the small schools. So, uh, John, I know you had to be excited about the FBS finish there with Youngstown State, the Penguins there, the way they finished that one. Yeah, Bo Pelini doing a good job out there in Youngstown. Uh, pretty excited, you know, quite frankly, you don't get to see a lot of Youngstown State out here on the West Coast, so uh, obviously was rooting for them, a little disappointed that we couldn't get a uh, better finish from Mountain Union, and uh, and John Carroll was surprised this year, pretty uh, pretty impressive, looks like they're doing some good things uh, there in Ohio with those uh, uh, Division Two and Division Three teams. Absolutely, absolutely, up there, that game in Oshkosh, uh, uh, Mount Union goes down, but John Carroll did end the streak. So uh, Mount Union, you got a little budding rivalry there up in Northeast Ohio. Uh, John, give us some quick thoughts. Um, we know the big news for your alma mater is uh, alma mater is Luke Fickle, now the head coach. Tommy Tuberville is somewhere still arguing with the Bearcats fan. But give us your thoughts on the whole season, and then of course the new coach down in Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I think I only tweeted fire, hashtag fire Tuberville like uh, 38 times uh, over the course of uh, uh, seven or eight weeks. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been rough as a Bearcat fan dealing with a season like that. Certainly a down year, and you hope that Luke Fickle obviously brings uh, a new dynamic to this football team. Obviously, he's got the pedigree. 
interim head coach at Ohio State for for a season there. Um, you know, is it is it a great hire? You know, I'm I'm not sure. I think the jury's still out. You know, to me, uh, as a Bearcat fan, you know, I, I'm used to the up tempo, um, you know, spread offense, playmaking ability. You know, when you have Ohio State, you control the line of scrimmage, you pound the football. That hasn't been Cincinnati football for the last 15, 20 years. And, um, you know, if, if Luke Fickle can bring that to us, by all means, I'm excited for it. Uh, but to me, I think the jury's still out. Now, if he can bring Kerry Combs with him over there, bring a little bit of that offensive dynamic, now you've got the offense, you've got the defense, and I'm excited. But like I said, uh, it's a wait-and-see attitude for me. We're with him, you know. Obviously, we like what we see on Twitter, and uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. But, uh, yeah, I was I was kind of expecting something uh, a little bit uh, more offensively uh, focused, uh, maybe Brom out of Western Kentucky or something of that nature. But uh, don't hate it, just not sure I love it yet either. Yeah, uh, just I will say 6-6 um, six and six that year, he took over in a very tough spot. We all know what happened. Um, but – Right now, I think he's at a position where he can build that program to where they need to go right now. He'll bring, he'll definitely put together a good defense, and I don't think anybody's going to work outwork him. So that's one thing I will say for Luke Fickle, and I think that can be enough. I mean, Cincinnati's always they got a hotbed of talent down there. We all know that part of the state and even northern Kentucky. Um, so I think he'll be able to recruit well in the uh, region, even over in the Indiana. And I think that could be a difference of building a nice football team and definitely possibly of a uh, if they don't jump conferences, which is one to be the one thing for UC to see what happens with that, I think he'll do well where they're currently at. Well, the biggest thing too, as far as if you look on the Ohio State side of it, is the recruiting aspect. I mean, Luke was a good defensive coordinator. Don't get me wrong, but I think that's the real big thing that he brings to Cincinnati is he's going to be able to pick off Urban's leftovers and be able to bring good players into that program and. Uh, he, he is a, a good coach. I, I, at times I wonder, but uh, yeah, I think it's a, a okay hire right now for Cincinnati. Uh, it was a good job for Luke because in the position that he was in making the money as an assistant, he was going to take a pay cut at the end of going to a Mac school or something like that. So this is like the right spot for Luke. And uh, I, I think he'll end up succeeding at Cincinnati. Now, one other coach, yeah, change. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I really, I really hope that you guys are right. You know, I, I kind of feel like my my Bearcats and the university as a whole, at least athletically, are in a little bit of no man's land uh, in relation to being in that ACC or AAC conference, I should say. Um, really had high hopes that the Big Twelve was going to be able to kind of do some things, expand that conference. I'm still not sure why they decided to go a different direction and, you know, stay with what they have. They still don't have a con- uh, conference championship game to be able to split up the divisions. Quite frankly, it makes no sense, guys. Even if they went to the larger, um, you know, conference and didn't pick Cincy, that would make more sense than staying at the status quo. It didn't make any sense. So, um, you know, now what do we do? Um, you know, do we do we get an invitation from the ACC? I don't think so. Yeah. So the Big Ten right. come calling. So, so where where do we go as a school? Well, I, I think that we're staring five super conferences in the face. You know, I, I think a lot of these teams are going to get swallowed up and we're going to be expanding this playoff pretty soon. And I think you're going to see uh, the big five conferences expand tremendously. And then the interesting question will be what you do with the rest of the schools that are left over outside of the power fives. 
Um, you know, maybe that's where you uh, re- re-energize the bull system, you know, and put meaning back into the bulls. If you have a second, uh, a subdivision between the, the former 1AA FCS now and uh, the FBS, which would be the Power 5 schools. Absolutely, absolutely. One more thing, uh, just one other observation with Luke Fickle. You talk about possible uh I think the Bearcats are going to be a more physical team. They'll they'll be training year round. You see the development, you know, that happens at Ohio State. You'll see that same thing. You'll see Luke Fickle like adopt those programs and bring them to UC. And I think that's just going. I mean, that alone can make the difference in wins and losses. And like you said, that AAC. I mean, it, they'll be able to shake it up, and then you'll see them being able to make a move. It sucks. The Big 12 doesn't have their act together, so maybe it's a uh, uh, um, blessing in disguise that UC wasn't, you know, picked because if they didn't change the structure of, like you said, adding a championship game, what's the point of being in that conference? It's, it's crazy to think, guys, that four years ago uh, we were we were staring the Big East Conference in the face with teams like Boise State and San Diego State and BYU for football. And then the kind of rug kind of went under or over our eyes when the Big East went to uh, the Catholic East, so to speak, you know, having Xavier and Creighton and Dayton and all those schools uh, kind of jumping on board. And, you know, what? maybe that was the best decision for the Big East. I can't, I can't speak for them. But what I can tell you is uh, the American Athletic Conference and playing Tulane and Memphis uh, and uh, Temple and those kind of schools it uh, doesn't work for me, and I hope they're able to figure something out. Here's something to think about. Would Do you think that they would ever do something like have the big five conferences under one working body where they all share in the profits from it? And that way no. you could actually move no. teams back to geographical rivalry locations that are out of place right now, slot it the way you want to slot it, still call it the different division conferences for, that we know are the big five conferences, and have everybody split the money of those teams. No, because everybody wants to negotiate their own deals. Everybody thinks they're a better negotiator than the other one. That revenue sharing would never be agreed upon. That's the we problem. Notre Dame play ball, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, that's the oh, way sure that Jim, revenue I'm sharing sure problem. I'm sure Jim Delaney would love that. Sorry, guys, uh, I'm sure Jim Delaney would love that. Yeah, so go ahead and give that, give that call uh, in Indianapolis to try. I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. <laughs> One more thing, yeah. there was a lot of coaching changes that happened, but one that we didn't get to talk about was FAU. Lane Kiffin um, leaves Alabama to take on the head job at FAU. Was that a head-scratcher to you guys, too, or am I just you know out here on an island with that one? I think maybe the, yeah, the handwriting was on the wall. With I think that the handwriting was on the wall with Nick Saban bringing in Sarkeesian. I think Lane wanted out of there. We've seen it over the last few years on the sidelines. I think Nick has signed off on Lane Kiffin now, and I, I, I agree with the, the landing spot. FAU is obviously a surprising spot. If I could have landed a higher profile job, but uh, you know, I, I knew he—that's he, what he wanted to do, and maybe FAU is the place to do it. Although he's already brought in uh, his first recruit was that uh, four-star Florida State quarterback who ended up punching someone too. So that's nice. Yeah, I mean, I guess let's look at let's look at this bigger picture, right? So Lane Kiffin's a young guy. He's he's still in, is he still in his twenties? Maybe early thirties. Don't quote me on that. But young guy, um, going to be based out of Florida. Obviously, we know how many recruits come out of that. 
uh, area, uh, and it's a hotbed. So uh, getting guys to go to beautiful Boca Raton may not be the most challenging thing. Is that the long-term spot for Lane Kiffin? Of course not. But unlike Kirby Smart, who was able to take an SEC job like Georgia, uh, that never came, and LSU didn't come calling uh, for, uh, for Lane Kiffin. Uh, and the buyout that Houston was asking obviously was too much. And the reason the buyout was too much was because Lane Giffen knows, look, FAU is a stepping stone. It's an opportunity for him to go ahead and get there two, three years, turn the program around, build up his resume so that he can take that high-quality head coaching job. And you know that's inevitable. Well, you talk about beautiful Boca return. You talk about beautiful Boca Raton, Florida. Um, we missed that game, Western Kentucky playing Memphis. Uh, but don't worry about it, folks. Um, it, it's rolling anyway. Uh, we're going to get to the games that matter here, going through the predictions. we got all the rest of them to go bowling with. So we're going to start out in San Diego, Qualcomm Stadium, the Poinsettia Bowl. San Diego County Credit Union puts this one on. The BYU Cougars go on to take on the Wyoming Cowboys. Um, this one is at 9 p.m. on ESPN on Wednesday, December 21st, gentlemen. Uh, no, uh, it, it really sucks for the BYU quarterback. Where is my note? Taysom Hill, hurt again. Um, that's been the story. He has an injured elbow. That's been the story of his career pretty much. Uh, we see if Tanner Magnum has got a little bit more magic. We know how big that uh, that uh, Holy Joseph was uh, in his career. Uh, I don't know if the Cowboys can roll with the Cougars. I'd like uh, Magnum and the boys in this one. You you know if it's all right, I'll go I'll go last. I'd love I'd love to get your guys' insight, and then I'll I'll just you know throw a little salt on a little salt on the steak if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Take you on mute. Yeah, John, you're you're the most important uh, key to this mix that we have that's called the bowl season because most of these are unwatchable games, and John's going to break them down against the spread, which is the only reason to watch most of these anyway. That being said, <laughs> uh, good to see Taylor Mangum uh, get in there, unfortunate, uh, uh, but what can you do? I think BYU still wins. He's an experienced guy. Um, Wyoming, I think, is a little bit over their head. I think it's close. I'll take BYU 24-20. Yeah, I kind of like where your head's at. Honestly, I kind of think that this might be, you know, one of those rough and tumble football games that, you know, maybe maybe the old school crowd, the older gentlemen might appreciate. You know, this is a BYU team. Most of those offensive, defensive linemen, you know, they're they're coming off of missions, okay? So, you know, three, four years on football. They come back, they play on, on BYU. They stay all four years in most cases. These are guys that are 24, 25, 26 years old, quite frankly. And, uh, you know, for a lot of these seniors, this is their last chance. They get a chance to go out to San Diego. I lived out there for a while. Big BYU contingent should get a ton of Cougar fans out there. Um, but, but don't look back on Wyoming. One of the most underrated running backs in all of the country, Brian Hill, plays for that Wyoming Cowboy team. And they ran it up against everybody. Not sure they'll be able to do that against BYU, uh, but you know you're going to get a lot of carries for Brian Hill, who's trying to turn some heads to get some NFL scouts on his side. And quite frankly, I think it'll be a great game. Uh, you know, I, I have a slight lean to uh, to Wyoming, um, uh, slightly to Wyoming uh, plus the 10 points. Um, but uh, more than anything, I'll just enjoy watching it. 
Absolutely. Uh, shout out to the Mormon men going in against the Wyoming boys. Um, we look too a little bit close to that uh, going up a little bit north there, northeast Idaho Potato Bowl. Idaho goes in to take on Colorado State. The Rams come in to take on Idaho in their own backyard. Uh, the one guy I'm looking at. This is a game is Thursday at 7 p.m. on Thursday 7 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, the one thing that just sticks out to me in this one, gentlemen, the receiver for the Rams, Michael Gallup, uh, had a huge year, 70 receptions, 11 touchdowns, great production. I see him going crazy in this one and showcasing his talents yet again in Boise. Jake, if you're talking, you're on mute. Yeah, you got the home team playing in uh, their home bowl, the Potato Bowl. How perfect for Idaho. Um, Colorado State has been a much improved team, though. Uh, The sentimental pick is probably Idaho. My head says Colorado State. Uh, I'll take uh, Colorado State in this one. Sorry, Idaho. 31-24. Yeah, admittedly, I don't have a strong opinion on this game, guys. I mean, this is a Colorado State team that has improved over the course of this football season, so you give them credit for that. Um, but at the same time, you know, Idaho 8-4, and four, okay, you know, wins over Georgia State in their last game, you know, pretty impressive wins against Texas State. You know, they did go on the road to La La, Louisiana, Lafayette, uh, and get a W. So, you know, they're, they're able to leave Idaho, go down south, get some wins, um, but this is a step up in class for sure uh, from that standpoint. I think ultimately, you know, when you look at these bowl games, you want to try to find motivation. Maybe you have some motivation, you know, for this Idaho Vandal team. They're playing at home in their own bowl game. They should have a semi-decent crowd, although it'll probably be freezing up there. Uh, so with that, with the weather, uh, yeah, give me the 15. I'll take more than two touchdowns with Idaho just because you figure they'll probably want to play hard. All right, gentlemen, we get to the Friday Bowl games, and we're going to go pretty rapid fire here. Uh, The Popeyes Bahama Bowl leads off on Friday at 1 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, This is a team, actually, I I got this one scouted pretty well, gentlemen. Eastern Michigan takes on Old Dominion. I'm telling you, the Monarchs are going to roll these guys and roll them big. Ray Lowry, you know the name, uh, the running back for the Monarchs you know, set the world afire in college football last year, put up some big numbers. Well, he's got a quarterback that can help him. They will literally put up some points and really enjoy, uh, get to enjoy that good weather in the Caribbean. Yeah, I mean, Eastern Michigan, uh, they first bowl in a bazillion years for them. Uh, so I, I think that they may be uh, just enjoying the moment, enjoying uh, the accolades that go with that a little bit. Meanwhile, you're right. The Old Dominion's been rolling um, eight of the last nine games. Uh, I don't think they blow them out. I think Eastern will show up and uh, play with them a little bit, but I'll take Old Dominion by a touchdown. You know, you said you, you wonder how, how excited a team like Eastern Michigan, you know, is to, to come to a game like this. You, you guys said it. You know, they haven't been to a bowl game in a while. They're going down south. They're playing in the Bahamas. Um you know, you got to figure they're going to be motivated. Okay. That being said, okay, let's look at the last yeah. couple games that we've seen that we've seen the MAC jump in. Okay, uh, Monday, uh, Tulsa and Central Michigan. Tulsa fifty-five, Central Michigan ten. I think Tulsa just maybe, scored. I think Tulsa just scored again. Go ahead, though. No, sorry. <laughs> you know, Appalachian State Toledo. That was a that was a darn good 
at least for Max standard, uh, that was a darn good Toledo Rockets team uh, that that lost. Uh, you know, maybe a down year for Appalachian State. Um, you know, little little concern about the quality of the Max this year. Maybe not as good, quite frankly, as uh, as we've seen. You know, I'll give you a good example of that. This was a bad Cincy team this year. You guys know I'm a loyal Bearcat. Miami Redhawks came to town. That that was an underrated Redhawks team, and, and since he had their way with them, so I I would have some serious concerns about talent. I do not have concerns about motivation though in relation to uh, to the boys from Ypsilanti. Um, I I think they come to play. I'm just not sure they have the talent. Honestly, boys, I don't have a strong opinion in either direction. Yeah, I saw Old Dominion play multiple times. I'm telling you, they're gonna they're gonna come in there. They went toe to toe the last two years with NC State. They went toe to toe. Had a great game against uh, University of Texas San Antonio this year. This Monarchs team's for real, and they're going they're going to play well. We go to hold on real quick. I kind of look at the motivation factor the opposite way of you, though, John. I think that because they haven't been there in so long that they've already been told how great they are and go ahead and enjoy the moment. I think the other team's coming to play, Old Dominion. Uh, I think Eastern Michigan is happy to be there. Would, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me if that's the case. You know, honestly, like I said, I'm more worried. I'm sticking to my guns on this one. I'm a little more worried about talent than I am about motivation. Um, but, you know, I, I guess, I guess there's only a way to find find out, but uh, I think I think the I think the Eagles come to play, boys. Well, that's been enough reason for you guys to take off work early and watch that one at one o'clock, the Popeyes Bahamas Bowl. <laughs> Why are we talking about these? <laughs> uh, I thought everybody's going to ask. Yes, I actually seen the team play three times in person, but hey, no, kidding me, that's not good enough for you guys. Um, Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Louisiana Tech versus Navy. Uh, can we do this one by affirmation, or you're telling me that Navy can get upset again as they're coming off of that hard loss to Army after 14 years of dominance? Yeah, I mean, I, you look at this game, and it's two completely different type teams. The Army coming in, wanting to, or I mean, Navy coming in, wanting to run the ball. Um, and Louisiana Tech is definitely coming to, to sling it around. Uh, it should be intriguing anyway to see uh, the, the conflicting styles go back and forth. Uh, I, I think that you're looking for a really high-scoring game either way just because of the two different styles. Um, it's a coin flip game. Uh, I think I'll take the middies just because go Navy, but uh, I think it's a really entertaining uh, high-scoring game actually. Guys, I got to tell you, I, I think the wrong team's favorite here. La, La Tech laying six against Navy. I, I know that people are concerned about Navy's motivation coming off a, a loss to, to Army, and you know it's it's the same it's the same old song and dance. You know everybody remembers the last thing they see. You know, 14 years in a row, Navy beats Army, and and obviously they're the spotlight game a couple weeks ago. You know, now they've got to go and play a bowl game. Well, that bowl game is the Armed Forces Bowl. They're going to be ready for that. If it was the, you know, like we talked about a minute ago, that, that you know, Popeye's Bahamas Bowl, yeah, maybe the middies aren't ready for that. But, you know, this is the Armed Forces Bowl. And, and, you know, let's go and kind of look inside the numbers here, okay? Navy against spread teams and what they do, okay? SMU, they win 75-31. ECU, 66-31. Tulsa, a quality team. 42-40, they go uh, and beat Notre Dame, 28-27, maybe not the best Notre Dame team. Uh, you know, 
at Houston. Uh, they win 46-40. Uh, you know, handling teams up-tempo is something that they do. They control clock. They grind it out. And a spread team like uh, uh, like Louisiana Tech, they better bring their lunch call because they're going to get hit in the mouth over and over and over again. And maybe in a bowl setting, that's not the best thing. To me, I, I think taking six with, with the middies is, is where we go. I, I definitely have a, a strong opinion on Army plus the six. Get it now. 4.30 p.m. ESPN, don't miss Navy in the Armed Forces Bowl against Louisiana Tech. All right, the Dollar General Bowl, 8 p.m. ESPN. The Ohio Bobcats take on the Troy Trojans. It's Troy Trojans? Uh, yep. Good question. I think so. Yeah, yeah it, just sounded, it just sounded weird when I said it, but, yeah, they're the Trojans. Yeah. All right, down in Mobile, Alabama, um, I'm going to have to acquiesce my time to <laughs> the West Coast aficionado, the knower of all small games, big and small, knower of all games, big and small. I do think the Bobcats and the fighting Frank Soliches, though, can get it done against Troy in their backyard. Yeah, I think it'll be a close game. Why not? Uh, I think, if anything, Ohio may be the second-best team in the MAC and have the best defense in the MAC. so whatever that's worth. Uh, Troy was, you know, good and bad at times. Uh, I think they got I know they got blown out by Arkansas State, um, but the, they're decent. I think it's just kind of uh, a battle of wills there. Guys, I'll keep this one. I'll keep this one pretty simple. Troy's Troy's okay, you know, for, for you know a Sun Belt team. They're good. Ohio, Ohio U is no good. Let's just let's just keep it very simple. There you go. It hasn't been all year long. They're eight and five. That's why they're going to a bowl. Uh, but this isn't a good Bobcat team. I think the number's short. I think Troy should be favored by more than four. As long as they're motivated, I think they should be. I think they roll. Uh, it was a Bobcats team that gave uh, the Broncos, Western Michigan, all they could take, though, um, in that last matchup. But, yes, you're right. I agree. I'm not just trying to argue about the Dollar General Bowl. Let's get to the Hawaii Bowl. <laughs> On Christmas Eve at 8 p.m., anybody tuning in for this one, or will you be watching Home Alone and just conceding that Middle Tennessee will take Hawaii, the rainbows, to the woodshed? (laughs) Who did this? No, I'm going with the rainbows at home. Middle Tennessee will be there for the vacation. Why not? Hawaii, 45, 40. Yeah, I mean, Middle Middle Tennessee is going to play up tempo, you know that, and uh, and Hawaii's not afraid to <laughs> Hawaii's not afraid to give up a few points. Uh, also, not afraid to score some. So, you know, if, if you're going to look for a game, you know, on uh, Christmas Eve, you know, you're you're hanging out, to, you know, trying to enjoy something. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm looking I'm looking at this game right now. There's not even a point spread. I don't know why there's no point spread. That that's that. You know, as long as the number is reasonable, I think the game goes over the total. But, I mean, if, if they, you know, put the number at 75, to lay off. But, <laughs> but I, would assume, I would assume, gentlemen, we're going to see the number somewhere around a 60, 61. You know, I, I see this being, you know, a 40, 40 31 kind of game or, or something close to that. Maybe, maybe have it go over the total, you know, on a Christmas Eve, watch a lot of points. Out there, yeah. Hey, I, yeah, honestly, I don't have a strong opinion. That would be the only one I have. The blimp shots will be nice, at least. Yeah, and I mean, 
think about this. If you are so lucky to be a Middle Tennessee uh, Blue Raider, you get to spend Christmas in Hawaii because your team made it to a bowl game there. So God bless yep. the, the alumni. Um, we get to the day after Christmas. Oh, we got some good ones now. Now you, your or Fortune mentioned Miami Redhawks. They go to St. Petersburg to Tropicana oh, Field to take on the SEC Mississippi State Bulldogs. All right, so so we're taking now. We're talking about two teams in the last two games that finished under five hundred. Uh, a five hundred. No, not, no, no, no. This is a this is a Miami team that rolled off six straight wins. Mississippi no, State comes Mississippi in and State, gets in at five and seven. seven. <laughs> right, and Miami a five hundred team. So uh, you know, she's good start to the the morning. Eleven a.m. Your cup of coffee with two bad football teams. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, Matt King's beating an SEC team. I don't care how bad the SEC team is right now. Uh, I think Mississippi State rolls this game. Well, Gus Raglan, the quarterback for the Red Hawks, is a delight to watch. I think him and Nick Fitzgerald will be battling out. I think we're going to see a lot of points, not a lot of defense. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the game's kind of a toss-up. I got to say, you guys. Uh, is hindsight 2020 or what? Who would have thought that Mississippi State, after watching what Dak Prescott has been doing all year with the Cowboys, would have a little bit of a down year and, and maybe not have the same amount of talent at quarterback as they did the last four years? Uh, you're now seeing the fruits of how important Dak Prescott was to this Bulldogs team. And really, Dan Nolan should thank his lucky stars because, quite frankly, you know, if he can jump. To a better uh, a better role thanks to, to Dak, I think he better jump at it this year because I'm not sure this is a uh, bulldog team that's going to get any better anytime soon without this guy. You know, that being said, you know, Red Hawk team showed some improvement, probably be better next year. You know, they're doing some good things in Oxford, like what they're doing. At the same time, this, this is a serious jump in class. You know, this is, you know, when you when you talk about the Jimmies against the Joes, uh, the Joes of uh, Mississippi State are way better. And, uh, you know, at the same time, lost to South Alabama earlier in the year. You know, they do lay an egg every once in a while. Might be interesting, but, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have an opinion on the point spread, but obviously you got to look to the Bulldogs to somehow pull this one out. Yeah, let's hope the Bulldogs can find the motivation uh, to keep Dan Mullen wearing those Kanye's. All right, the quick lane bowl. This one is so compelling with the Maryland Terrapins versus Boston College Eagles that I think I'm going to Ford Field, and I will be in attendance for this one 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. This game is going to set college football back 45 years is what's going to happen. Uh, I don't look for very many points. Uh, I think it will probably be a pretty close game. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, I'll root for the Big Ten. Go, I guess, uh, what, D.J. Durkin gets his first bowl win in his first season. Yeah, I see no way the Terrapins find a way to win this game. They they have rushed the ball better to end the season. Uh, but Boston College is just a little bit more physical football team. Uh, they had some tough losses this year. So I, I think the Eagles finished their year strong with a big win in Detroit. I'm changing my pick. B.C. wins 2017. <laughs> Sorry, Durkin. Honestly, honestly, guys, if you need a, a good alarm clock, watch the ball. Boston College uh, Eagles. And oh my goodness, what a snooze fest that they've been all year long. Quite frankly, maybe the maybe the total's high. Normally, their total is like in the 30s every week. Um, in fact, a couple a couple weeks ago, uh, the Boston College Connecticut game 
Over-under was 34 points. It's the lowest in FBS history, like in the last 35 years, total of 34 points. Uh, this isn't the NFL, guys. This is this is college football, and uh, man, this that's a, a downtrodden offense. Let's call it what it is. That said, you know, DJ Jerkin kind of doing his thing at Maryland. Maybe not the best season. Uh, hoping to get maybe a step up here. This could be this could be a good high spot for the Terrapins as far as uh, you know putting on a performance, getting that program where they want it to go. A big, I think a win here would be really good for them. As with Boston College. Yeah, maybe they're motivated, maybe they're not. If they are, they'll score 20. If they're not, they'll score 10. Uh, yeah. Give me give me a, a unisom. That's uh, going to be the most boring game ever. Well, get your sleeping bag ready for this one. Right. The Camping World Independence Bowl. <laughs> in Shreveport, Louisiana, I actually think this game will be a little bit better than NC State Wolfpack versus the Vanderbilt Commodores, 5 p.m. on ESPN. Two. Yeah, these two are very similar teams in that they're both very boring. Uh, I think you're right. I think this is uh, uh, Snooze Fest 2, another low-scoring game probably. Uh, I don't know. It's a coin flip game. I guess I'll take the pack. I like the Commodores in this one. Uh, Derek Mason has had that team uh, rolling with two wins in the season. Um, they were able to get bowl eligible, and that was huge for them. So that program not going anywhere, you know, by leaps and bounds, but they're taking some baby steps in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Derek Mason had some serious concerns about whether he would be back as the Commodores quote, uh, coach uh, going into 2017. And then you have the Ole Miss Rebels. They come into Nashville. Old Miss, uh, Old Miss, you know, kind of has a flat spot, and, and the Commodores get them. Then in the biggest rivalry game there in uh, Tennessee, uh, the Vols come into town, and, and they're able to uh, shut down Derek Barnett and uh, control the defense, and, and there you have it, another win for the Commodores. They become bowl eligible, and now instead of Derek Mason being on the hot seat, now he's looking like a future up-and-coming head coach. Uh, man, you know, to me – uh, I, I like I like what I see, and honestly, defensively, I, I think they do things pretty solid down there at Bandy. Um, my lean is to the Commodores in this one. All right, we get to Tuesday, and you can have chicken fingers for lunch because the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl will be going on in Dallas, Texas at noon on ESPN. Army takes on the North Texas Green Machine. I yield the my mean. time to the gentleman from Arizona. <laughs> Uh, real quick, I'll jump in because I'm not spending much time on it. But uh, for some reason, a bad, another bad team under 500, two games under 500, five and seven. North Texas Mean Green against uh, Army. I think Army wins, but I think North Texas still be motivated here because they're a bad team in a bowl at home in Dallas. So I, I think this is a situation where the motivation's with the dog here. No way the men and women who serve our country uh, will not be motivated to see the Army, go Army, of course, finish this game strong against the Green Mean, Mean Green, whatever they call that team <laughs> in North Texas. Come on, come on, guys. Bring your A game here. Let's go. You know these two teams played earlier this year. North Texas, an 18-and-a-half-point dog, go into Army and pull the outright upset. If you don't think this Army team's coming to play to get some redemption, you're wrong. I, I have a feeling that Army wants revenge. Uh, this is not a good North Texas team. Five and seven. You know, there's a lot of bad five and seven teams. This one might be the worst to get a bowl. 
Um, to me, I think Army laying 10 uh, is easy money. I think they roll by uh, two, three scores. I think they want redemption. All right, we go from Army to the Military Bowl. So we're in Annapolis where the Navy Marine Corps Stadium will be hosting the Temple Owls versus uh, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Both these teams have distractions for a different reason. Matt Rule, of course, leaves Temple to take the job in Waco, Texas with the Baylor Bears. And Wake Forest doesn't know if somebody's giving their place to the Owls for this big bowl game matchup. 3.30 on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of throw out everything as far as, I think, matchups and that sort of stuff with what's going on in Wake Forest. Um, you know, I, I know Roll is off to Baylor, but uh, I still think this Temple team is very sound. Uh, and Wake Forest, you know, they had a good season. And I guess, uh, I don't know, they deserve to be there, but I, I just think uh, the Owls have so much here. Yeah, I think the Isles flapped their wings with that offensive attack. Uh, even though Wake Forest has great defense, great special teams, I think it's just too much in the end, and Temple overpowers them. Yeah, I mean, D, I think you said it. Is, it. is there a team that has improved more from the beginning of the year to the end of the year than the Temple Owls? I mean, I think, you know, when you look at what they did at the beginning of the year, uh, they were they were awful. Um, there, there were some serious concerns about uh, their motivation and, and where they were going as a program, and Man, they kicked it into gear. Um, you know, now you worry about motivation, though. Coaches, coaches out the door. Um, yeah, you know, you wonder, you know, if if this is a motivating spot for them. You know, going up against the Wake Forest team that that quite frankly is no good as well. You know, six and six, uh, nothing to brag about. I mean, let's look at the wins that this Wake Forest team had. Um, you know, Virginia, Syracuse, Delaware, Duke, Tulane. You know, nothing nothing to get too excited about. Uh, to, to me, you know, I, I really don't have a strong opinion either direction because you worry about the motivation with, with this uh, Temple team. If they come to play, they roll. They roll by 20, 25 points, something like that. I, I just don't know how they're going to be feeling going into this one, quite frankly. Well, one team didn't know if they wanted to play or not. Boycotting for uh... – to show solidarity with their teammates, but then decided to play for their coach. The National Funding Holiday Bowl sees the Minnesota Gophers take on the Washington Cougars in Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego. Yes, they still play football there, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, and this is another situation like the Wake Forest situation where you have outside distractions. Um, We talked about it earlier in the podcast about what's going on with Minnesota and the player boycott and all that sort of stuff. So you wonder with the players suspended on top of uh, their attention being somewhere else, if they stand any sort of chance against this high-powered offense of Washington State. Um, I think this is a a good game for Mike Leach to roll into next year with some momentum. And uh, the Gophers, I mean, this is just a bad matchup, even if they had everybody and uh, everybody played their best game. It's still a bad matchup for them. So I think, uh, I think, Washington State rules here. The Coug goes big. Yeah, I agree. The Cougars scratch the Gophers here. I think Mike Leach talks circles around Trey Clays and wins the press conferences leading up to this game. And we'll see uh, Luke Falk in that air raid offense put up a lot of points. Yeah, I, I like Luke Falk. I think I think he's got you know some tremendous upside as a quarterback, potentially at the next level. He can sling it. That said, you know, and guys, I hate to keep doing this, okay? You, you know, you have to kind of focus on bowls. Look, I love betting bowls, okay? 
the reason that you love to bet bulls is because you can really get a gauge for whether a team wants to play or not, quite frankly. And in this one, you really wonder about Minnesota uh, and if they're coming to play and if they're competitive. Bowl games are very similar to NFL preseason. You don't base it on your lean. You base it on fact and, and really what you're thinking in terms of how motivated a team is. If a team in the NFL is motivated to win a preseason game, that's a spot. But unless you know for sure that they're coming to play, and usually the signs are pretty there, you just kind of want to lay off. And this is another game where you just want to go ahead and do that. You know, Honestly, no strong opinion. Kind of interested to see how Washington fares against a rough and tumble team uh, like Minnesota. I don't think they go for seven up to hang around, but uh, – yeah, it's, it's a no play for me again, guys. Sorry. All right. We'll leave the light on for you when we go to the Motel 6 Texas Bowl. <laughs> we'll be looking for John in the crowd of this one when the Boise State Broncos go in to take on the Baylor Bears. This one, matchup of the old veteran Brett Rippin, not like his uncle Mark, um, taking on the true freshman Zach Smith and that Baylor Bears team who has been uh, distracted decimated and just flat out quit at times this year uh, like the running back Shaq Linwood did. I see no way the Baylor Bears can get up for this game against the Broncos. Where the hell did this bowl come from? Is Cactus like a sponsorship? I've never heard Hotel of Cactus. Motel 6 is the sponsor. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, guys, at, at, at Chase Field where the Diamondbacks are playing? Come on now. Yeah, right. 15 on ESPN. All right. Um, yeah, you're right, D. Baylor is just you can, uh, you can wash field. your hands in the fountain on the way to the game. <laughs> and uh, I, I think Boise, we talk about motivation. I think they're the, the much more motivated team uh, trying to prove something as uh, one of those teams outside of the power conferences. Uh, Baylor, a Big 12 team that is perfect pickings for them, I think, in this bowl game. Uh, I'm going to take Boise State uh, by a couple scores anyway. All right, guys, I'll, I'll lead in the opposite direction here. You want to talk about teams that are motivated, right? All you heard were the press clippings from Baylor about how unhappy they were. Well, usually when players are unhappy, it's based around coaching. We now know Jim Grobe will not be back next year. They're looking for a new hire there at Baylor. And maybe, just maybe, guys, this is an opportunity for those Baylor guys to say, okay, coach is out, let's bring our A game and really, I think this has been an overrated Boise team all year long. I've been betting against them pretty frequently. You know, every once in a while, I've, I've run into a, a tough spot. I know I bet them against New Mexico, and they, they went down to, uh, to Albuquerque and rolled the Lobos. But outside of that, this is a team that has been overvalued all year long, uh, laying big points. Here's another spot, seven and a half against a team like Baylor that's got a lot of talent. Um, yes, Seth Russell's transferring. There's a lot going on. Uh, I'm sorry, not sure, Russell. Sidham. Uh, Sidham is transferring. I apologize. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean Sidham's transferring. To me, this is a good opportunity for that Bears team to maybe turn it around a little bit. You know, do they win outright? Not sure, but I think I think they bring their A game, and I think they cover the seven and a half. All right, we'll put your fitted on. We're going to New York City. The New Era Pinstripe Bowl, the Pittsburgh Panthers take on the Northwestern Wildcats. Cats versus Cats, 
Uh, my two, this is like my second loves here. I love James Conner for everything he's been through and the way he finished this season with this Pittsburgh Panther team, knocking off Clemson in that big game. And then I really do the second best quarterback in the Big Ten all year has been Thorson with uh, that tight end car for the Northwestern Wildcats. I think this one will go to the godfather of all college football defense and Pat Narduzzi, though, as the Panthers, probably will uh, be just as successful as they were in 1973, the last time that these two teams met, when Johnny Majors coached Tony Dorsett to a 265-yard performance, and they won against the Wildcats. 2 p.m. on ESPN. Say it again. 2 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, you know, I think this is the first of what I think are many nightmare matchups for the Big Ten coming into this bowl season. Uh, so, I mean, you look at this Northwestern team, um, they do have some off- some offensive ability and finally throwing the football. Um, but I just think this Pittsburgh team, it's much better than its record. You know, they lost four games, but... I mean, they were the ones that really dealt the cards for the national playoff right now, if you think about it. So um, I I just think this is a team that is much better. I think they're a better coach team. Um, I think Pittsburgh goes ahead and wins this game. Yeah, guys, I'll I'll lead in the opposite direction again. You know, to me, you know, Pat, Pat Narduzzi, the ultimate defensive head coach from Wisconsin, you know, yeah, this is an offense that's put up some points. Let's not get it twisted. Uh, but at the same time, giving up 61 to Syracuse, you know, obviously they gave up quite a few uh, to Clemson, 43. Um, you know, giving up, you know, 39 points to the Virginia Tech and even 31 to a team uh, like Virginia. Uh, this team doesn't get stops. So how do you, how do you lay points uh, with a team that doesn't get stops? This is the kind of team – that you love to take points with, you don't like to lay points with. And that's because when it's a 10-point game with four minutes to go and that offense comes out on the field, you have no faith in that Panthers' D to go out there and get a stop. You just don't. So, to me, you can only look at this game one way, and that's Northwestern. I like Northwestern uh, plus six if you can find it. Well, it depends on who's going to be wearing shorts in this one, according to Jake's earlier years uh, <laughs> sayings, because uh, we know that Pittsburgh defensive lineman likes to wear short pants, and so do the Northwestern assistants. Uh, we see who will want to brave the cold in New York City. We talk about braving the cold, the Russell Athletic Bowl. You don't have to worry about that in Orlando, Florida, when the West Virginia Mountaineers go in to take on the Miami Hurricanes, 5.30 p.m. on ESPN. This might be the best of the crappy bowls. Um, you know, I, I think that you get to see Brad Kaya in his last game, so that'll be fun. Uh, he's got a good matchup to go up against. West Virginia's defense is actually pretty good this year, especially for by Big 12 standards. Um, you know, I, I think it could be a close game. Um, it, it's really going to come down to, I, I think, that the fact that I think just West Virginia is the more physical of the two teams. Uh, so I think they end up winning the game, but uh, I think it'll be a good game. Well, you think about that. Yeah. Uh, oh, real quick, let me just get this in there. You think about this Miami team could have been ten and one. They lost four games by less than a field goal. So I think Mark yeah. Rick has definitely turned this team around, and I like Miami in this one to get the win. Yeah, they've they've turned it around, but you know I, I think this is an underrated West Virginia team, uh, a team again you worry about motivation. 
you know, they were competing for a national championship spot. And you wondered, you know, as they were going in, they had Oklahoma at home on November 19th. Uh, laying, uh, I'm sorry, uh, they weren't underdog, three-point dog. But uh, this was an opportunity for them to leapfrog, knowing you're going to uh, Ames, Iowa, to take on the Cyclones and then, and then get Baylor at home. Uh, you know, you'd be you'd be 12 and one. It'd be a great opportunity. And quite frankly, they dropped the ball against the Sooners, and that really was the end of the season for the Mountaineers. I think defensively, there's really no contest in between these two teams. The Mountaineers are way better. At the same time, you know, Brad Kaya, does he come out this year? If he does, is he motivated to throw and move the ball around and and really showcase showcase his talent? You know, not a game that I can bet, but. It's something that I'm interested in watching for sure. If you're playing with an Ohio bias drinking game at home, please stay away from drinking when you hear the word motivation in this podcast. And we talk about motivation. Have the chickens come home to roost in a Farster Farm Bowl. As we saw, Keith Wilson resigned over mistreatment of his players with the Indiana Hoosiers. They go in to Levi Stadium to take on Utah. 8.30 on Fox. Yeah, you know, I kind of like this Utah team. It's a really good, solid team. I mean, that's just what Kyle Whittingham always does. Um, You know, I don't know. I I just think that coming into this bowl season, they've been – I think they've lost two or three or three of the last four, uh, whatever it might be. But, uh, you know, I I don't think Indiana was much better at at all. So, um, I I don't know with as much – the uh, the coaching plays a factor in it because the assistants are still there, um, and maybe it's actually a relief that he's gone and out of the locker room. But uh, I just think the Utes are the better team. Another nightmare Big Ten matchup. I like my man Shane O'Mac when the music used to hit. They got no chance against this Utah Utes team. Yeah. I mean, they they uh, you know Kyle Winningham's record. They won three of their last bowl games. Uh, they're nine and one. His record nine and one with this program. Uh, Troy Williams and that Utah offense will find a way to get rolling against Indiana, and they they just won't be able to make the adjustments out there. Which this is an Indiana team that has played strong and some uh, heartbreak losses in the last two years. But I think that program's in disarray with Keith Wilson leaving. Yeah, West Coast game, you know, out there in in, uh, Santa Clara. If you're a Hoosier fan, are you going out there? Probably not. Um, So, you know, you're probably going to get a pro-Utah crowd. And and this is a Utah team that's that's coming off back-to-back losses, uh, one at home to Oregon. (laughs) Oh, that was a bad one. Uh, And and then, you know, you lose to Colorado, lose by five, no shame in that. Um, you know, you, like you said, Kyle Whittingham breeds a quality program out there. They're going to want to turn things around. I'd be really surprised if uh, you didn't see a good effort from Utah. And the point, uh, the point spread definitely uh, designates that in this game uh, as we see uh, seven and a half points. Uh, to me, you can only look one way, and that is with uh, the Utes. I think the Hoosiers will set a better record for attendance than 49ers fans, though. And shout out to Billy Bob Thornton on Goliath, Amazon. We go to the Advocare V100 Texas Bowl. The Texas A&M Aggies go in to take on the Kansas State Wildcats in Houston, Texas, 9 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this, um, Texas A&M at home, basically, um, the Kansas State, you have a very well-coached team. I mean, obviously they don't have the talent that Texas A&M has. I mean, they were number four in the first 
college football poll, uh, if I remember correctly, but uh, they just ran up against it. Um, you know, I, I've leaned the better coaching uh, to Bill Snyder, but I think better talent eventually wins out and probably a pretty close game. Well, we talk about Texas. I think the best way to describe this one that uh, Manhattan guys in purple and silver just don't have the horses. Um, you think about Christian Kirk, Ricky Sales Jones, the number one overall draft pick, maybe going to the Cleveland Browns, Miles Garrett, and of course Trevor Knight, the Oklahoma transfer who couldn't figure out to call Katy Perry. Um, with that being said, I see no way that uh, Kansas State, if the Wizard pulls this one off, he truly does have some magic left in that purple windbreaker. Yeah, you don't think Miles Garrett's going to be motivated to get three, four, five sacks in this game and just really cement who he is as a college football player. You know he's going to be coming in with guns a-blazing. Um, you know, it's an improving uh, K-State Wildcat team. Bill Snyder he always does le- or does more with less. Not sure how he does it, but he seems to do it every year. Um, you know, to me, I think the number's a little short. Uh, Texas A&M only laying two and a half. Uh, this is the same bowl K-State was in last year. I uh, wasn't able to get the win. And uh, to me, I, I see this one uh, as A&M winning by, you know, 6 six to 10, something like that. You know, I'm not sure I'll run to the window to bet this one, but I think the number is a little short, and I lean to the Aggies. We go down south. We go east and south to the Birmingham Bowl, USF. Loses their coach and Willie Taggart come in with their interim coach, offensive line coach, to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks led by Will Muschamp. 2 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls, you know, they're a pretty good team this year. 10 and 2 season. Uh, one of those losses was the Temple, uh, a conference champion. So this is a pretty good team, and you wonder how much losing your head coach matters to you. Uh, you look at South Carolina, and they had a nice year, I mean, especially coming off the previous season, and uh, they're starting to get their program back together. And I just don't think they're there yet. I think uh, South Florida has way more and ends up winning this game pretty big. Yeah, it's not yeah, worth it. Yeah. Uh, I got just something real quick. Not worth using a sick day to watch this one. I think you you know save your save up your time for after the first of the year. <laughs> Jake, you said it, man. Um, this this isn't a good South Florida team. This is a great South Florida team. The two losses are to Florida State, and uh, that was early in the year. And then they lost to Temple, who was you know at the end of the year who really hit their stride. Uh, those are the two losses for this Bulls team. And, and really, I think Willie Taggart did a great job. And there's a reason Oregon came calling for that guy because they think he's really the real deal when it comes to, to coaches. Uh, unfortunately, they lose him, but they don't lose the talent on the field. And to me, uh, I think this is a quality team. And I think the point spread really shows that with them being a 10.5-point favorite. Uh, going up against you know a team uh, you know like this, qu- quite frankly, South Carolina – Six and six, nothing to get too excited about. Um, you know, will will Muschamp turn it around? You know, maybe, but uh, you know, still an SEC team, and you know, I, I can't I can't specifically lay ten and a half. But if this number goes down, and you know, I'm looking at seven, something like that. You know, maybe I can get to the window and lay it with the Bulls. But I think the point spreads right about where it should be. 
Well, let's keep going east, and we talk about Carolina. Let's go to Charlotte, North Carolina, and the Belk Ball. The Arkansas Razorbacks go in to take on Virginia Tech Hokies. Boy, I think Justin Fuente has done as good of a job as any new coach in this country this year. Um, he picked up right where he where uh, they left off uh, with Beamer. I mean, actually, probably a little bit better off than they are with Beamer because now they got a coach with some stability and they can start getting some more recruits back there and get the Hokies back to where they were. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, hell, in the title game, they almost beat beat Clemson. So. Uh, I think that this is a big springboard game for Virginia Tech against a very average uh, Arkansas team coached by Burt Bielema, and we know what he's all about. And uh, I think this Virginia Tech team is going to go out there and be impressive. Brett Bielema, probably the college version of Jeff Fisher, 25 and 25 in the last four <laughs> years. Um, you think about Jared Evans and those Hokies over there. One of the big things in this game is going to be field position. We know Arkansas is going to want to run the ball, but the punter for the Hokies, Toby Baker, is averaging 45 yards per punt, and I think he's the difference in that game. Hokies win. Have you guys seen Brett Bielema's wife? Yeah. It's amazing that he got her. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, who's not hot is, is the Razorback team. You know, nothing to get too excited about in terms of, you know, what what they do. Uh, and when you talk about a team like Virginia Tech, what are they good at? They can stop the run. And you know exactly what, you know, the Razorbacks are going to try to accomplish in this game. Um, you know, I think the point spread designates it again. And I, I hate to keep bringing up that well, that term, but, you know, Virginia Tech laying seven, Quality defense, one of those teams you love to take points with, you don't love to lay them. To me, again, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, but I do lean, uh, yeah, I have a strong lean, I would say, uh, to Virginia Tech winning the game. I'm just not sure they cover the spread. Well, people say remember the Alamo. We'll be saying remember the mullet, the Alamo Bowl, the Valero Alamo Bowl, Oklahoma State Cowboys take on the Colorado Buffaloes, 9 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, and these are both teams that had playoff aspirations uh, up till a couple weeks before the final bowl um, in Colorado all the way up till it. Um, I, I just feel like Oklahoma State's kind of a one-trick pony with just uh, throwing the ball outside all the time. I don't know how well they run the ball. Uh, Colorado, to me, does a little bit more. It's uh, a better coach team as much as I do like Dundee's mullet. Um, I, I'm going to take Colorado in this game, but I think it'll be a good game. I just think ultimately Colorado's a little bit better. This one's going to be a big matchup of quarterbacks. Mason Rudolph, you talk about throwing the ball over the top to Jawan Seals, is a dynamic duo. But uh, Colorado's a team which would have probably beat the team up north and also won in the Pac-12 championship game if Sifu Lufa had not had that ankle injury that got him snapped up in Ann Arbor, come back and haunt him again out there in Palo Alto. Uh, Steve Montez is not Steven Montez is not the quarterback that he is, and he really makes that uh, team go, that Buffalo's team go. I I like the OK Coast. I like the OK State Cowboys because I can't trust that Colorado quarterback will be healthy enough to finish this game. Guys, thank you for uh, giving me about two minutes to uh, allow me to. Uh, or, uh, thank you for for giving me two minutes and, and letting me vent here. I appreciate you guys being my therapist for a few minutes. Um, I, I had Oklahoma State plus thirteen, really, really big against Oklahoma. I thought it was a tremendous spot. 
against the Sooner team in bad weather where you figured they probably weren't going to be able to throw the football around. You know, if you watched, you know, this this Cowboy team, yeah, you know, Mason Rudolph gets all the accolades. And, and like you said, Jake, uh, you know, it's a team that could go outside, throw that deep ball. They've got quality receivers. But quite frankly, guys, this was an opportunity up there in Norman to go and pound the football against a team that can't really defend the run. And quite frankly, they completely missed on the game plan. Uh, you know, Hill, their starting running back, 16 rushes, 99 yards for an average of 6.2. Their backup, Carson, 12 rushes, 91 yards, 7.6 yards. They had the opportunity to run the ball probably 40, 50 times. They only ran at 28, and quite frankly, they threw the ball, they extended the game, and they, they put it right in Oklahoma's hands to have additional possessions when, quite frankly, they should have gone ahead and kept it a low-scoring game, controlled the clock, ran the ball, and quite frankly, I think they probably win that game, and, and now you're Big 12 champions and you drop the ball. To me, I can't, I can't trust that Mike Gundy is going to you know, provide a proper, proper uh, game plan for this game. I really was disappointed by that one, as you can tell. You know, at the same time, man, Colorado's turning it around. Uh, this is a quality team. They're running. Stefo Lufau obviously has really got things going. And to me, this could be a team that could make some waves going forward. I think they're doing a tremendous job out there. I can only lean to the Buffaloes minus the three. Yeah, one of the big things is I think that Oklahoma State team is something about they just don't play as physical away from Stillwater. They play very physical at home, but you get them on the road, and it's just like, you know, uh, they turn into drugstore cotton. So uh, it's it's always an interesting dynamic to see that, that Gundy team uh, lose that physicality. We get to Friday, December 30th, and you need to put some more oil in the engine. The AutoZone, Liberty Bowl, Georgia, Bulldogs take on the TCU Purple Horn Frogs, Memphis, Tennessee, noon on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, you look at both these teams, they both kind of limped to the finish. Uh, neither one finished all that well. Um, I, I think this is more about Kirby Smart and uh, his determination to get that bullwind to carry him into next season, whereas this TCU team seems pretty defeated at this point. Um, I don't know what more Gary Patterson can say to this club. I'll take the Bulldogs, including the fact that uh, they had a couple big guys come back next year, including Nick Chubb. Yeah, you talk about finishes. Boy, that finish with Georgia Tech beating them really, you know, sucked the life out of the Bulldogs season. Uh, you talk about the guys coming back, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle. Um, the one thing is, though, they got Jacob Eason still there this year. He's going to need another offseason to develop into some type of quarterback that can play better. Um, that defense for Georgia, of course, is good under Kirby Smart. Um, but I think Gary Patterson is one of the best, you know, strategic coaches, and he'll have Kenny Hill and that offense some kind of way ready. You just worry about TCU and that defense that we thought was going to be better this year. I like the Horn Fogs in this one because I think Gary Patterson is a better uh, coach for this type of situation where we always see them. They came back last year uh, to beat Oregon in a big game. I like I like the Horn Frogs under the lights, well, not under the lights, under the sunlight and during the day in Memphis. See, that analysis is way better than what I'm going to give you, quite frankly. These are two bad, te- these are two bad teams. 
Georgia's no good, and TCU's no good. The point spread designates that, you know, the line's one, okay? Uh, can you can you assume that Georgia's going to win the game all right? Can you assume TCU's going to win it? Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's some potential with Georgia going forward, but, but this year they were god-awful. And uh, the bad TCU team, uh, I can't pick either team, and really I'll leave it at that. All right, well, we'll make it. it John will probably be watching Young and the Restless during this game at noon on on uh, Friday there. So uh, we'll, hey, we'll I'm, hopefully. I'm, bold, I'm a bold and the beautiful guy. Oh, all right. Well, hopefully you're up and you got the gas in the car for the Hyundai Sun Bowl when the Stanford Cardinal take on the North Carolina Tar Heels in El Paso, Texas, 2 p.m. on CBS. Boy, this game has lost a lot of luster since Christian McCaffrey's not playing in it. Uh, you kind of wanted to see him go out with uh, in style. Um, you know, UNC is a solid offense, and you wonder what Stanford is without McCaffrey now. Um, I, I don't know. If, they, if Stanford could run the ball, I think they'd win this game. But uh, without McCaffrey, I don't know that they can. I, I think I'm going to lean North Carolina winning this one outright. This like, is the East Coast. This is true West Coast versus East Coast. Um, you think about, you know, the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans, they got sharks. And I'll tell you this, this Larry Fedora team, when they smell bud in the water, they go for it. Um, I love Mitch Trubisky and this offense. And it's not so much what Trubisky does, it's the skill guys around him with Elijah Hood, uh, Ryan Switzer, who reminds me of, you know, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, and Cole Beasley all rolled into one. This guy is dynamic, one of the fastest wide receivers in college football. And you think about the names of the other skilled players with North Carolina, Bug Howard and Matt Collins out there in that receiving core. Backing up Christian McCaffrey is Bryce Love coming into this one. Um, but this, you talk about teams that have been god-awful. After a 4-3 and three start um, with this Stanford team, they really left a lot to be desired. They did beat five teams to end the season by double digits, but they were all five teams that won't be playing bowl games. So I like North Carolina. Tar Heels went big here. Larry Fedora gets Mr. Biskey on a one-way trip to the first round in the NFL by playing in a bowl game. Guys, guys, we know that Stanford's offense is no good, okay? But their defense is, and, you know, to, to me, I can't wait to see what Mitch Trubisky does uh, after a team's got a month of game plan against them and, you know, against the high-quality defense. Can he move the football around? Does he go through his progressions? Man, do I sound like a Cleveland Browns fan or what? We're, we're so desperate. But to me, I, I think it's <laughs> – I think it's a tremendous opportunity to see what he can do against the high-quality defense, like I said. And uh, to, to me, I, I can't look at the game either direction just because I think the teams are so polar opposite that, you know, they're kind of oil and water. And in those types of games, I, I tend to not like to kind of get involved. Um, but I'll be watching because, you know, like you said, D, uh, can he roll into the first round? Brownies have got a couple picks. It looks like they're going to have number uh, 31 as or I'm sorry, it looks like they'll have number 33 as well. Uh, maybe he makes it to 33. I don't know. I'll be watching. Yeah, that's music to my ears. And we talk about music. The Music City Bowl in Nashville, Tennessee. The Nebraska Cornhuskers basically have to play a home game against old Rocky Top as the Tennessee Volunteers just go up a little bit to Nashville. 3.30 on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, here we got Tennessee who was in – what, the top five, right, in the initial top 25 AP polls and before all the season came out, and then they did what Tennessee does 
and they lose a bunch of games that they probably shouldn't have lost and someone gets hurt. And then Nebraska, you know, they had the chance uh, towards the end of the season and then the Big Ten title game, and uh, here they are, 9-3. and three. Um, You know, I, I guess it's Josh Dobbs versus Tommy Frazier, and uh, I think Dobbs is the better player. So give me Tennessee. I can't decide if it's going to be a low-scoring game or a high-scoring game, though. That's the one thing I need help with. Well, you talk about Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs led the SEC in touchdowns, which was crazy to me when I looked at this game, um, 26 touchdowns. But he's going to be running for his life with his offensive lineman, Vince Boulware, that was uh, deemed academically ineligible for this game. So um, he still has a lot of help with Tennessee's defense and Barnett, who had 12 sacks this year. But if Tommy Armstrong can go with that bad hamstring and all the injuries that he's battled this year, um, I like Nebraska and the black shirts to get it done with Josh Banderas and that defense coming through. Um, if we have to see Riker file or Riker, what the fuck is this guy's name? Fife. Riker Fife. Um, as a backup quarterback with the Cornhuskers, uh, I think Mike Riley and that team's in for a long day. Uh, one quick thing, though, I do think history will come to repeat itself in this one. The last time these two teams were matched up was 1997, and the Black Shirts got the better of a then young, big-headed quarterback named Peyton Manning. I think I called Tommy <laughs> Armstrong Tommy, Tommy Frazier. He did. <laughs> I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> it was pretty amazing, though. I love yeah, it. that's pretty funny. Don't do <laughs> Go that. ahead. Leave it as it is. Um, All right. No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, um, t- to me, you can't trust Nebraska's defense. Um, it- it's been bad all year. Gave up 40 points to Iowa. And now you got to go uh, out to Nashville uh, in enemy territory, so to speak, uh, in Josh Dobbs' last game. Um, and-, and quite frankly, you know, you know Derek Barnett's going to put up you know, a game as well because he's going to want to try and move up those draft boards, pull a little pressure on on Nebraska from that standpoint. Um, I, I can only look one way. It's with the ball. Got a real got a real quick question for you. In 1977, uh, Nebraska player, probably with the best college football name of all time, at one of the best Music City Bowl performances. Do you know who that player was? Wow. Running back. Bonus trivia question. One I am one I am hip. I am hip. <laughs> Good. That's college football name of all time. All right, we get into the. We make sure that you paid your mortgage and you don't need to refinance because the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl, South Alabama versus Air Force. John, take it away. I mean, you know Air Force is going to sling it around a little bit, and, and quite frankly, so is South Alabama. Uh, this is a team that has kind of made their living throwing the ball, and, and for the teams that they have been able to throw it around on, they've been successful. The teams that they haven't, it, it's been ugly. Uh, you know, if you look at Air Force and what they do, um, you know, coming off a win against Boise State, um, you know, four or five, five wins back to back to back to back, uh, you know, give them some credit. They they went to Army. They got a W. Um, you know, maybe this Air Force team is the best of the three uh, when it comes to uh, the academies. Um, you know, to me, you know, the point spread designates at 13 and a half points. Um, but, you know, this is a South Alabama team you kind of like taking points with because you're never out of the game. 
uh, you know, really like what they do in terms of moving it around quite a bit. You know, and maybe they hang around here. Uh, I can only lean one way. Uh, that would be taking the points uh, with the South Alabama Jaguars uh, and their famed quarterback, uh, Davis. Like them a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you're hit it on the head. This is going to be an up-and-down game. Um, I, I just don't know about South Alabama. I mean, two and six in the Sun Belt Conference, uh, you're six, this is a six-and-six six team. Uh, it's not a very good team at all. I, I think it's, you know, I think Air Force can go maybe like 40 on these guys anyway. I don't know if South Alabama can hang with that. Um, I, I, I think that the that uh, the fly guys cover this one. Well, you talk about covering. I heard Jennifer Garner's dad's buying drinks at the Hard Rock Stadium with his Capital One card, the Orange Bowl in Miami, 8 p.m. on ESPN. The team up north takes on the Florida State Seminoles. Yeah, I mean, this is a big-time matchup, big-time programs. You have Jimbo Fisher who just signed the contract extension. Um, you know, it's the, you got Delvin cook, uh, but against one of the best defenses in the country, uh, on paper anyway, um, you know, was Michigan a playoff team? That's going to be a big debate going into this game. And you wonder again, now you're playing in this game where, you know, it's not a playoff game and it's against really good competition. Um, who is, I mean, Michigan's, season, their their wins aren't all that impressive to go with it. Um, I think this Florida State team's a better team. Uh, I'm going to take uh, FSU in this one. Well, you think about, you know, where their season ended is when they were crying in that pink locker room uh, in, in Iowa. So I will say this for the team up north, though. I believe that they got the most talent on this football field when it happens, uh, when this game happens. And it it really happens on defense with Taco Charlton, eight and a half sacks, Chris Wormley, uh, six and a half sacks. I think those guys are going to be tearing their heads off. They got more seniors, so they got that going for them as well. Um, And then, you know, if Wilton Spate is healthy, that shoulder's finally healthy, he's going to be better than Francois because. Honestly, I like hairball putting Spate in a better position to win and, and manage the game. He will get the ball to Jordan Lewis, to Jake Button. They'll run the ball to Devin Smith. They'll really use that fullback in those odd uh, odd uh, formations to really confuse the Florida State team, which they haven't been able to stop nobody since uh, <laughs> since Lamar Jackson put up his Heisman numbers to win their award. So I really think the team up north is going to show and prove why they should have been in that argument but that argument ended for them, and any debate ended when they lost that game in Iowa and also got rolled yet again by the Ohio State Buckeyes. Did you say they got rolled by the Ohio State? Oh, they got rolled in the, they got rolled in the fourth quarter with only having five yards and then couldn't do anything in overtime. They got rolled. When it mattered the most, they lost. They lost. They didn't get rolled. But, hey, I, I don't have a dog in the fight, so I don't really care. That said, um, I lean to the under in this game. You know, I, I think Michigan can play defensively. I haven't been super big on Wilton Spade and what they do from an offensive standpoint. I think they wear teams down, and that's how they score late. I don't think they wear Florida State down. Uh, to me, I, I kind of like the under. It opened 52.5. It got to 54. 55 is a key number, guys. If you can get it to 55, that's a great spot to jump on the under. Look for that 55 and jump on the under. One of the other big things to the key to this game that I think gives uh, 
hairball and the team up north of the edge, they play some of the best special teams in the country. That's one thing that they do hang their hat on, and I think that'll be a huge key in this game as well. We go not far because on Saturday morning, hopefully the place is open so you can get Buffalo Wild. Hopefully Buffalo Wild Wings is open so you can get some wings and watch the Citrus Bowl as the LSU Tigers take on the Louisville Cardinals. Yeah, another marquee matchup. Uh, LSU with uh, new head coach now uh, permanently at Ogeron. Uh, Bobby Petrino's offense and the Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. Uh, you got everything you want here as far as a, a good game. Uh, what you don't have, though, is Leonard Fournette. Uh, LSU, though, they're more than capable of running the ball. Uh, I think this is a much more talented team in LSU. I think they want to win it and get uh, the springboard for Coach Ogeron's first season. Uh, give me the Tigers. The Bayou Bengals beat the Cardinals. Yeah, this is a big game where one of these teams is going to be going in the wrong direction after it. Um, you think about if LSU loses and they can't get any good quarterback play during this game, uh, that's a lot to put on the shoulders of Geis without Leonard Fournette uh, there, and that'll loom large as a storyline after that game. But you know that defense with Beckwith will be ready to go at linebacker. Um, also, too, y'all talk about that quarterback play. They got two of the best receivers in Doral, um, at with the LSU receiving court, but it's just getting them the ball. Louisville, on the other hand, Lamar Jackson has to do a lot of heavy lifting. He does have some help with the Cardinal front four, but they're no match for the defense on the other side. I think that uh, Petrino and Louisville find a way to win this game just because they're going to be able to score. Um, it might not be pretty, but they will find ways to score and be able to outscore an LSU team that usually holds teams down under 20 points. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the Tigers are going to be pretty motivated. All of those guys love Coach O. They went ahead and uh, they kept him on board. Uh, yeah, no Leonard Fournette, no problem. I think the Tigers roll. The Tax Slayer Bowl, just in time to make you go to sleep at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, no, the Tax Slayer Bowl, Georgia Tech, the Yellow Jackets, Rambling Rat, take on the Kentucky Wildcats in Jacksonville. Um, the Citrus Bowl's on. Uh, it's something to watch during commercials in the morning. I, uh, I think Georgia Tech and that Yellow Jacket team is just a better team than Kentucky. I mean, I think that's an easy thing to agree upon, especially coming off of that win over the Bulldogs. Yeah, I mean, I, I think both these teams uh, had decent uh, rebound-type seasons. Um, the triple option, though, the thing about it is you have a whole month of practice against it. You only got to play it once, and you don't got the next game to worry about. It becomes a little less ineffective. I think it's a close game, but uh, I, I don't know who's going to end up with it. Give me the wreck, I guess. Lee, Lee Corso would be proud. He'd say, good pick, my friend, except uh, I don't agree with you in terms of the pick. I like the analysis, my man. I think you said it best. Kentucky's going to have a month to go ahead and prepare for uh, this uh, rambling wreck offense. Uh, talk about another guy, uh, Mark Stoops. Is it Mark Stoops, guys? Is it Mark Stoops? Which Stoops is it? That is the coach. It's, it's Mark, you got it. Okay, sorry. You look at Mark Stoops. So this guy was on the hot seat. You really wondered, was he even going to make it through the whole season? And, and you know, I, I watched Kentucky-Alabama earlier in the year. Obviously, you guys know I'm a Tide guy. Um, and to me, I, I didn't think Kentucky had a chance. They, they hung with the Tide physically and, uh, you know, 
Mark Stoops came up with a pretty quality game plan. You know, it was still a four-score game, but uh, I, I think when you looked at the scoreboard, uh, it was because of special teams and nothing more. Uh, to me, I think the wrong team's favored. I love the Wildcats here. All right, we're going to hold off on the college playoff four uh, and take the January 2nd games for you real quick. And we start with the Outback Bowl. If you want to see something that might be ugly in Tampa, Florida, check in for this one. Florida Gators take on the Iowa Hawkeyes at 1 p.m. on AAPC. I'm just going to give some quick uh, thoughts here. Um, I think this game is like shadow boxing, a boxer shadow boxing. Both of these teams are pretty similar. Um, They struggle to score at times. Uh, They want to run the ball and play effective defense. I just think C.J. Bethard is a better quarterback, and I like the Iowa Hawkeyes here with being tested and coming off some big wins to finish their season. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, after being so bad early in the season, Iowa did rebound uh, pretty well, especially with the upset win over Michigan. Um, this is going to be a game where whoever has less turnovers is going to win it. That's the bottom line. It's two defensive teams uh, with uh, mediocre offenses. I think the Iowa offense is better than Florida's offense, and I think Florida's defense is better than Iowa's defense. So uh, whoever can make the least amount of mistakes, I think, uh, gets this one ultimately. Jake, you hit my analysis right on the head. That's exactly how I saw it. I think the books see it the exact same way. The point spread is Florida minus three, and I think it's because you're getting three points of home field advantage with the game being there in Florida. That said, you know, I, I kind of lean towards the Gators. I haven't been real high on Iowa this year. No, they pulled off the big upset against Michigan, but really outside of that, really didn't do anything to wow me all year. What's the right, on that, John? John, what's the total on that? What's the total on that game? Forty and a half. Yeah, sounds about right. Yep. Well, let's get to touch the feel of the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. Western Michigan Broncos roll the boat in to take on the Wisconsin Badgers in AT&T Stadium, Jerry's World, at 1 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, row the boat. Here we go, right? P.J. Fleck, the hottest coach in college football that didn't get hired anywhere else. Um, you know, I just think Wisconsin's too big, too physical, too much for this Broncos team. Ultimately, um, it'll be a good game. I think the the better coached, better uh, motivated team is Western Michigan potentially, um, but uh, I, I just think Wisconsin has too much, especially defensively. Uh, they'll be able to run the ball on Western Michigan and score enough points to win. Yeah, this will be running attack versus running attack. You got uh, Western Michigan, who will be able to throw it with the dynamic receiver who uh, broke over 5,000 yards, the FCS receiving yard record, Corey Davis, getting that ball from Zach Terrell. Um, Jamari Bogan taking the ball from Zach Terrell, you know, to come out of the backfield. Uh, I really like Western Michigan a lot, but this is just a bad matchup. They go against – P.J. Fleck is matched up against one of the best strategic coaches with Paul Chris. We saw what he did against LSU and also against Ohio State. And then they just got some of the most – they got two of the best players in college football and T.J. Watt and Corey Clement. I like Wisconsin here to uh, be be comfortable under – in big game situations, they play on the road in these big uh, games to start the year on uh, in neutral sites. So I think this will be, you know, some bright lights for the Western Michigan Broncos. Yeah, bright lights for sure. And, and even more importantly, bright lights for P.J. Fleck. I think he's just waiting for the right opportunity to uh, 
get out of Kalamazoo, although they treat them pretty good up there. Uh, that said, you know, you guys heard my opinion earlier. Uh, my my theory on the Mac is that this is a down year, uh, and they're stepping into uh, a much tougher uh, a jump in class, so to speak, uh, with this Badger team. I want to save my opinion uh, on uh, Penn State uh, for the Rose Bowl, but, but I'll say this. Um, that Wisconsin team looked really good in the first half. And um, to me, I think you'll see two uh, two halves of that against the uh, Western Michigan side, and I think Wisconsin rolls. Yeah, some, uh, somebody said the secondary disappeared and went to St. Elmo's early to get some shrimp cocktail. You talk about the Rose Bowl. We go to Pasadena, the granddaddy of them all, the USC Trojans, playing a home game against the Nittany Lions. Yeah, I mean, you just hope that Penn State uh, puts a better showing on for the Big Ten than Iowa did last year, that's for sure. Um, You know, this USC team has been a completely different team since the change, Um, and I I don't see any way this is going to stop, really. Um, Penn State is uh, a pretty good team. I think they played better than they actually are, and uh, I think this USC team is uh, a much more talented team, and at this point, I mean, it's hard to bang on James Franklin too much, but I still don't think he comes out as prepared uh, as most coaches. And I don't think if you come out unprepared against this USC team, you're going to be too far behind before you figure it out. And that's the big key right there. They cannot play from behind. They would need to get a lead. McSurley would have to get that ball moving around and get up over the top of that USC defense, which would be hard because you let those guys pin their ears back and come after you. And then they would have to, you know, grind them down by being able to run the clock with Quan Barkley just eating up yards. But that's not the way they play, and that's not the way they start games. So I don't – if they have – I mean, this is just real easy. They're going to end up with a deficit, try to come back, and they're going to come up short and lose this game. And we're going to see, you know, Penn State, we're going to see those guys get back to the way that they played earlier in the season rather than the way they finished nine straight and all the things they were banging on saying they deserve to be in the playoff. Yeah, not not sure they'll they'll actually win this game, but um, I don't know what James Franklin's doing, if it's a cardio issue or whatever it is. But betting Penn State in the second half of these uh, games has been tremendous. Let's do it together, guys. Uh, we go back to the Big Ten championship game. Uh, second half, final score, 24-3 to three, uh, against Michigan State, 35 nothing. Again, these are second halves. Against Rutgers, 30 to nothing. Let's go back to the Purdue game. Um, uh, oh, my goodness. This is incredible stats. Uh, 45 to 7. And then you go back to the Ohio State game even, 17 to 9. This is a Penn State team that is tremendous in the second half. Will they come all the way back against USC? I don't know. But it has been a dead nuts lock to take Penn State in the second half. Usually uh, the uh, the book is not setting the proper number. In fact, I was able to get a bite out of Penn State to win the game down 14 points at a little over 6-1, to one, and that was a great payday for me in that Big Ten championship game. Guys, Penn State, second half. It has been gold all year. I don't expect it to change. Well, we go from gold to sugar, down to New Orleans, the All-State Sugar Bowl, the Auburn Tigers take on the Oklahoma Sooners. A lot of distractions for both teams in this game. Um, 
But some good news for the Auburn Tigers, they actually will have a quarterback for next season, and they will have their running back back and some other players. So uh, when you talked about Jacob's Jared Stidham transferring in, but they're going to have to take a guy who wasn't so good at quarterback, Jeremy Johnson, playing this season. Uh, they do have an improved defense, but I don't see any way, even though Joe Mixon is probably still going to play and we won't get any answers by the time this game kicks off at 8.30 on ESPN, uh, Baker Mayfield, D.D. Westbrook, and Samaj P. Ryan will be enough uh, to roll the Tigers. Yeah, you hit it on the head there. The biggest problem for the Tigers is the, the players that are there now. Um, you got two Eisen Trophy finalists on the Oklahoma offense and a banged-up Auburn Tigers defense with an offense that can't put up a ton of points. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma and wins this game despite the distractions uh, placed around it. Guys, guys, I got to tell you, I love, I love the over in this game. Uh, to me, uh, you know, uh, indoors, uh, Baker Mayfield, D.D. Westbrook, uh, Samaje Pirine, uh, this team can score points. And, you know, I, I know that uh, Auburn's got a little bit of defense, but, you know, to me, nobody's really stopped Oklahoma offensively. At the same time, not sure the Sooners are going to be able to get stops on this Tigers team either. Uh, you know, Gus Malzahn's got a month to prepare. I think he's going to come up with a game plan to get some points on the board. I think the total short, 62.5. I see this one getting into the 70s. I like the over. All right. We get back to the college playoffs. New Year's Eve game. First up, one versus four. The Alabama Crimson Tide take on the Washington Huskies in Atlanta, the Peach Bowl. Yeah, part of this is that Alabama gets to play this in their backyard, which is always nice for them. Do they play anywhere but their backyard? Uh, generally not, but, uh, you know, this team, you, you almost want to, it reminds me of 2002 national title a little bit. Um, you tell a team that's pretty good enough times how they have no shot to win, how bad they're going to get destroyed, and they end up showing up and surprising everyone and staying in the game for a bit. I don't think Alabama's seen a quarterback as good as Browning this season. And uh, I, for that reason, I think Washington probably stays closer than a lot of people think, but ultimately Alabama just has too much. They end up winning the game. Yeah, I think that defense is too good, and I think Jalen Hurts is too good running the ball. He's still not efficient passing, but he can make enough throws to um, stretch out the defenses. And that's the whole thing. If Washington Huskies defense shows up, the one that we know that is physical, that plays in Husky Stadium, um, if they can get that down to Atlanta after, you know, all the pomp and circumstances and the and the bright lights and getting wined and dying, the swag bags, if they can keep that edge, I think the Huskies got a great chance. You talk about that offense. Uh, Browning, Gaskin, I mean, they, they definitely can't. They got the one-two punch, but it's being able to stop Bam on the other side. And then also, too, it's being able to make some plays in the special teams. They're going to have to try to uh, get that field position battle going. Um, and with that, you know, you got to give you got to give credit to Nick Saban here because he always finds a way for that team to pull it out at the end. But if Chris Peterson is who I think he is, I think he's going to have something special. We might see a little upset here on New Year's Eve early. Sure, we'll see an upset, honestly. Here's here's what I think we'll see. Um, if you remember, early in the season, you saw Alabama at USC at Jerry's World there in Dallas. This was a tight game for the first couple quarters. And then, you know, Nick Saban was able to kind of game plan, come up with an option, 
uh, a couple different options, I should say, uh, to kind of exploit that Trojan defense. And then the floodgates opened and the game got away. And that's kind of where I see this one happening. This game to kind of stay close, you know, to me, uh, I kind of like Washington plus the points for the first half. I think they hang around. I don't think they do anything too crazy. And if you know Alabama, they like to kind of coast through games early on, not do anything crazy, don't turn the ball over. And you know Nick Saban, he says the only way we give the ball to the other team is coming off our foot, whether it's a punt, it's a field goal, or an extra point. It comes off our foot to the other team. I think he's very conservative early on. And to me, I like Washington plus the points. First half, first half. All right, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Arizona has been very kind to the Buckeyes before. The Ohio State Buckeyes take on the Clemson Tigers in Glendale, 7 p.m. Yeah, and I think this is a very, very evenly matched game. Um, I I think you look at it, you've got two quarterbacks that uh, are no spring chickens. They've been playing. They know how to handle these situations. Uh, I think JT has a little bit extra motivation now that, you know, he's won a national title, but he hasn't been the quarterback on a national title team uh, when it's won the, the last game. So I think JT's got a little bit of extra motivation. you got defensively two really fast, good defenses. Um, you know, it, it's – I just think Ohio State has a slight edge in coaching, and um, I think Urban Meyer will have these guys ready. I think the defense is secondary for Ohio State creates a couple turnovers, as we know uh, Watson will be prone to every once in a while, and uh, ultimately it's Ohio State in in a really close one. I love uh, the Buckeyes' chances, especially wearing white in the desert. Um, When you come to this game, Deshaun Watson is the talent, but if he he wants to run the ball, he's going to end up getting hit by somebody. If it's going to be Hubbard Baker, somebody, maybe Raquan McMillan, he's going to pay the price for uh, rushing. I'm not going to say he's not going to get his yards and make some plays, but if he's got to do it all. And this Clemson team, for some reason, gets away sometimes from running the ball with Wayne Gallman. I've talked about it on here before. If Wayne Gallman has a good game, Clemson is a different team. What really concerns the Tigers, though, will be their defense. Um, if Ohio State can find somebody to catch the ball from J.T. Baird and Isaiah Prince can actually box somebody, it could be a long day for that Tigers defense. I do like Ohio State's defense in this one. What worries me is the kicking game and special teams. They can find a way to get that straightened out. Ohio State could really put some points up on Clemson. Yeah, you got it all the way belly. Hello? What was that? I have no Hello. Idea. Yo. Hello. Yo. Okay. Um that was weird. The Ohio State kicking game, if they can't find a way to uh stabilize that, um it it could be a well, I forgot what I was saying. The Ohio State kicking game gets going, they could really put up some points and uh really put Clemson in some bad spots because if they can get a lead on them and have Deshaun Watson have to play from behind, then yeah, those interceptions and Malik Hooker and and zone and um the silver bullets can definitely make some plays. And they'll make some plays anyway. They they've done it all year long. So I definitely of course am taking the Buckeyes in this one to win in the Fiesta Ball. You know, to me, uh, I think this is gonna be a great game. Um I, I think Admittedly, I've been a little down on Ohio State this year, but I think the matchup favors them pretty well in that they struggle somewhat against physical teams. Um, At the same time, when they play spread teams, teams that like to go up-tempo, that kind of fits right into their game plan and what they do. 
to me, I, I think it's a great matchup. Um, I think both teams go ahead and push forward, have a lot of success. Uh, to me, I'm excited. Um, I, I can't wait. I'm going to this game. I'm looking forward to it. I've been waiting for three and a half all week long. I'm hoping that uh, I get uh, get that three and a half um, because because I do like getting a few extra points here uh, with the Clemson Tigers. That being said, um, I think both teams do not uh, match up well either with Washington or Alabama in terms of their physicality. And uh, believe it or not, I believe the winner of the Alabama-Washington game will be your national champion. I think there's a lot of momentum coming out of that Fiesta Bowl for either of those two teams to take on probably Alabama. And I think Alabama's overconfidence, plus with those draft grades and hearing about how they're going to be going early, might be just enough distraction as it was back in the first ever college football playoff. And the Buckeyes, once again, will be successful. And keep in mind, too, I think that Urban Meyer builds these teams to beat SEC's best, and that's Alabama, that's LSU. Um, I actually like the matchup probably a little better. I mean, uh, talent for talent, Alabama's probably a little bit better. But uh, I, I think we know we know how to beat Alabama. We've been there before. It's something comfortable. I'd almost rather have Alabama than a Washington team coming off a win versus Alabama that all of a sudden is now an underdog against either an uh, well, what I would say would be Ohio State in that scenario. So. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, and I think you see that too in the regular season. Every once in a while, when you have like those bad weather games, you think of the games that Ohio State lost here recently, uh, the Michigan State game in bad weather, uh, the the Penn State game again, the weather was bad. It, you know, this is a team that's built for a fast track, and I think you're going to see that uh, in this playoff run from Ohio State. I will say this, if Clemson gets by, if they win, and the best player in college football, Deshaun Watson, leads them to a victory, um, I think we're going to see the same result that we saw again uh, last year, and Alabama goes back-to-back. So um, I don't see any way Clemson, you know, can come out of a game with Ohio State and then, you know, be ready for a week to bounce back and beat an Alabama team. So it'll be just, you know, a war of attrition at that point. Any final thoughts? A lot of bowl game talk there. Any else thing you guys want to get in there? Guys, I'll just say it. There's too many bowl games. There's too many bad teams. Yeah. Too many bowl games. And, and quite frankly, um, there are some teams that don't deserve to be in bowl games that are playing in some. And, you know, I know they're good for tourism, I guess you could say, for cities. And you got these chamber of commerces across the country telling their yeah. cities, oh, we got to get a bowl game. And then you know, they get 3,000 people at these games, and it's a total nightmare. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go on and on, but quite frankly, there's a lot of teams that shouldn't be playing in bowls that are, and, uh, you know, I think they need to fix it. Yeah, you, you remember when bowl games used to be a big deal for these teams that they would just enjoy the experience. Now it's, you know, because of the college football playoff and just because of the, the fact of the matter that these teams are, you know, we got players not wanting to play. And games that you know are not. I mean, it's it's hitting from all different factors, um, and it's just not the same luster, I guess. When we are we really getting old, gentlemen? Because it's not the same luster of the bowl game series. No, it's stupid. There's too many of it, John. You said it. Uh, I think the chamber of commerce is end up spending more money than they end up making on tourism anyway. Uh, it's time to get rid of a lot of these bowl games and restore some of the some of the glam to the ones that uh, do matter that now we have 
uh, high-profile players skipping out on. And uh, I don't know. You got to do it. Uh, it's turned into a glorified extra three weeks of practice for these coaches, and that's all they really care about. Nobody gives a shit about the outcome of the game other than us. <laughs> well, that being said, yeah, Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year. Uh, we thank West Coast, West Coast aficionado John Casas. Uh, say hello and goodbye to the good people, John. Guys, thank you again. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. Appreciate uh, coming on board uh, with you guys. Love doing the podcast. You can follow me at Cleveland Cause on Twitter. Jake, get your plugs in. Yeah, check out scoreonair.com with an Ohio Bias Live every Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday show 2 to 4. Wednesday show, or I mean Thursday show, four to six now. Um, you can check out all different sorts of programming from wrestling to uh, Columbus Blue Jackets cross check, the weekly Blue Jackets show, um, Columbus Clippers live coming soon, all sorts of stuff on sportandair.com. Uh, you'll also be able to catch me on the EV Sports Network uh, coming here in 2017. A lot of exciting stuff happening there. So make sure you check out the EB Sports Network. And Jake will be doing a 24-hour live broadcast. New- no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> Jeez, oh, man, exactly. <laughs> well, enjoy the bowl games that you can. There are some great matchups. We gave you some compelling reasons to watch some of these games and some reasons to uh, get some extra sleep So, or maybe not take that day off of work. But until we see some changes – We'll be here talking about it on with an Ohio bias and covering it for you. Enjoy football and happy new year to all. Later, gentlemen. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, John. (laughs) I talk soon. Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas. Uh, Seven o'clock tomorrow. I'll send you any details in case it doesn't come through for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, send me a reminder email and with some of the questions, I'll shoot you if I got anything I want to add. Okay. All right. Later. All right, brother. I'll talk to you later.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.